Hey everybody, this is James Wilson and welcome to the Life of Wilson podcast. I am here with an amazing man, an amazing individual, a great friend of mine and a mentor, a coach, a leader, a father, a husband. Bah, he's amazing. Anyway, his name is Clayton Poland. Hello, Clayton. What's up, my friend? James, I always love talking with you, bud. Dude, I, I am so thankful for you and the leadership that you have. And for everyone listening, um, I get excited because what Clayton is about to tell you is going to change your life and your relationships. I mean, this guy has, travels all over the world, uh, literally. I can't even imagine how many miles per year he travels. Um, but nevertheless, we're going to get into that a little bit. But this uh, episode, we're really going to be talking about the importance of relational intelligence. But yep. before we get into all that, Clayton, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself for the people? Sure. Yeah, my name uh, is Clayton Poland. I uh, I live in West Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, so as you will all hear, a little bit of a southern accent. So I'm I, I live down south, but uh, just a little. Yeah, yeah, just a little down south. And uh, so I married my high school sweetheart Lee. We've uh, been married 22 years this year. Uh, we have three kids, uh, Ethan, Charlie, and Maddie. Uh, Ethan's our oldest. He's 20. Maddie is our middle child. She's 14, and Charlie is 12. Uh, they grow up fast, James. They they grow up fast, my friend. And um, we, uh, we travel together uh, ministering to people um, all over the globe. We've been to Guatemala. We've been to India, uh, to most of the 50 states, just loving on people. We put on events. Um, live action events such as game shows, magic shows. We do a lot of storytelling, um, but really just go and love people and share the love of Christ with people and and uh, just try to give people and families hope and, and to get them to talk and communicate with one another and love one another and, and give them a chance to just take a break from the day-to-day life. And uh, we want to be just a, you know, just a, a breath of fresh air for families and churches and uh that's really really kind of what we what we are and and who we are and what we like to do for people and uh so you ask you know you you don't know how many miles we travel together uh, on average we travel uh, approximately sixty thousand miles a year Ooh. in a vehicle that's five times smaller than a prison cell mm. <laughs> and everybody's still alive right we're still alive and nobody's gone to prison. Oh so. my gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I think for me, the, the importance of relational intelligence, uh, while I wanted to get with you on this is because the culture that we're in now, you know, with social media, we're more connected than ever, but we're not, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It, it's done the opposite in a sense of us really, um, growing our relationships, uh, and, and with the intelligence part. So, uh, what is relational intelligence? Um, and can you just share how you came up with it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I did not originate that term. It's not original to me. The first time um, I, I define relational intelligence as having a genuine love for people and just knowing how to sensibly deal with and interact and connect with them. And so the first time I heard that term, um, I was leading a, a, a group of of uh, different ministry leaders, and we were going through a discussion uh, through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Brother Jim Weidman, and we were talking about a a project that he had us working on that we were working through together as a group, as a group exercise, and and I was the one leading that discussion, 
and I just noticed uh, there were about 20 of us in the room. And I noticed that that some of the, the 20 didn't say a thing. Uh, there were two or three that were very vocal, some that would speak kind of, you know, sometimes, but not all the time. So what I did as the facilitator is I would call on individuals with a specific question that I knew that they would probably answer or be comfortable answering or could add input to. And once that discussion was over, um, a friend of mine, uh, he came up to me and he said, man, he said, that is the best facilitated group discussion I have ever seen. He said, you are really adept at, at uh, relational intelligence. And to be honest, I didn't really know what, what he meant by that. I mean, I could kind of grasp the meaning of it. But what he what he was getting at was that I could see people who were who were kind of withdrawing from the group. And I, I was just able to bring them back in and make them feel a part of the group. And so relational intelligence to me is being able to connect, whether it be one-on-one or, or you know, one-to-one or one-to-many, uh, make the other person feel heard and understood and valued and, and, and just me being able to connect with them. Yeah. And that's so important because definitely, like I said, I was saying earlier with our culture, it's, you know, more of the hustle and the grind, you know, and the things that are all about us, me, 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 you know, I want more likes or I want, I want more followers or more friends. I mean, my goodness. So with yeah. that, um, how do we recognize our own level of relational intelligence? Cause I'm going to be honest, I, you know, I have no idea. And so I'm more than the listeners. I'm really excited to just hear about this. Um, so how do we recognize our own level of relational intelligence and that of others? Yeah, well, there are any there are a number of books on the subject, but um, I would say at the at the beginning that um, if you're an introvert, uh, you're probably thinking, well, you know, I, I don't really like talking to people. You know, I'm very introverted and I don't like talking to people. Or if you're like me, extremely, you know, uber extroverted, you know, it may come easier. My wife is very introverted. Um but she still can display and still does display uh, a level of relational intelligence. So whether or not, you know, you, you love or interacting with people, or maybe that's just not your thing to be, you know, the person up front interacting with people, you can still display and use a level of relational intelligence. And it really comes down to loving people. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a certain uh, there's a there's a, a quote that I heard from John Maxwell that said, you know, with one rare exception, the earth is made up of other people. And it takes, you know, that 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 may take you a minute to grasp that. But, yeah. you know, we're, we're that rare exception, but we're going to have to interact with other people. And um, and when I do that, I always like to try to ask them, you know, questions and just genuinely be interested in the other person. You know, what makes them tick? What puts a bounce in their step? And and not let it be all about, as as you've said, you know, not all about me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. You know, we love, I heard someone the other day say this, that we love to get hearts on social media, but we don't love to, you know, connect with the hearts of the people that matter most to us. Oh, man. Ooh. Yeah. Do we all about getting the heart on on whatever, you know, social platform we're on? But when it comes to the person across the dinner table or the person, you know, in the car ride next to us, you know, we're their heart, the one that the, the people that should matter the most, 
we tend to put on the back burner and uh, we've never been more connected as a society and yet more disconnected at the same time. And when you utilize relational intelligence, you just learn to value the other person and you try to connect with them on a level that will build a lifelong relationship. Man, that's so good. And I think that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you next, because it helps move towards that, you know, with our fast paced culture, you know, Amazon Prime in two days, and you know, you can watch a movie, this, you know, in just a few seconds, basically pull up any yeah. movie in the world, it's pretty crazy. Uh, but how do we pursue uh, relational intelligence when we're, when we're all so busy? You know, we, yeah. we, we all got things going on. And and, and this seems, you know, it seems like this is important, but we're all so busy. So how, how can we move towards actually making this happen? Yeah, you know, um, this is going to sound so simple that most people listening probably will, will dis, dismiss it because it's so simple and it's going to be cliche to some degree. But you have to make relationships a priority. Um, there's a study uh, a Harvard study. It's the longest study ever on human relationships and connectivity. And they studied the same group of, of uh, individuals for over 80 years. It started in the 1930s. Um, they studied a group of uh, men who were uh, enrolled in Harvard, and they studied a group of men that were from one of the poorest neighborhoods in Boston. There's over 700 men, I think, in the original study from the 30s. Some of these men started out extremely affluent, had lots and lots of money, and some of them ended their life with no money. Some of them started with no money and ended their life with loads of money. Some of them uh, had great health. Some of them had poor health. Some of them climbed the educational ladder. Some of them went down the educational ladder. You know, mm-hmm. all types of people, uh, you know, made up this 700 group. Even uh, JFK, our president, was one of the uh, people in the group. Um, so um, and, and they so they tracked these people. They would they would check in on them every year or so. They would do blood work. They would go and interview them. They would interview their families. They would talk to them. It wasn't just a a question and answer, you know, 10 questions over the telephone. I mean, they did all kinds of in-depth scientific study on these these seven or eight hundred people. And what they found when they looked at these men in their 80s, they they posed a question and said, you know, could we go back? And look at this group of men uh, when they were 50. And were there some indicators at 50 that would indicate which one of these men, which which of these men would be the healthiest and the happiest in their 80s? So can we look at these men when they're 50, find out who's going to be the healthiest and happiest in their 80s? And there was one, one factor that uh, outweighed... um, uh, outweighed success, job success. It, it outweighed how much money they had. It, I mean, it, it outweighed every other factor you can imagine. Would you care to guess? Uh, surely you could guess being this the topic of our conversation. <laughs> but Yeah, I was going to say relationships, question mark? Yes, it was oh my the gosh. relationships. 
so, and it doesn't mean that they were all, you know, lovey-dovey and like you would see, you know, two, you know, Cupid didn't strike them with the, you know, the love arrow every day. Some of these couples, um, they would, you know, bicker and fight and be snarky with their spouse. Um, but at the end of the day, every one of these, these men in their 80s who were the healthiest and the happiest knew that they were in relationships where their, uh, their, their family and their significant other was going to be there. They knew they could depend on their spouse or on their family when times got tough. And so the point of, of that for me is that relationships matter. And we may not think they matter now, but the day will come when they will matter for us. And, you know, it's so easy to get busy and to put people and put relationships off. But uh, the day will come, James, as, 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 as you know, we've, we, we have friends who have gone through this. The day will come when those kids will be gone, when you'll be retired. And, and all that we're going to be left with in that moment, um, it, won't, it won't be the, you know, it's not going to be the material goods that are matter. It's going to be the relationships. Uh. And relationships, if you think about it, are one of the few things one, if not the only thing, relationships are one of the the only things that we carry with us through eternity. Wow. And relationships are you have to make them a priority because they 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 matter for eternity. They matter for your your health and happiness here on this earth. And uh, I've never heard anyone say that they they regretted the amount of time that they spent pouring into and loving other people. That's so good. That's so good, Clayton, because now, you know, we'll go, Allison and I will go out to dinner and, you know, we'll just see a couple sitting at a table, both of them on their phones or a whole family, you know, with a, maybe with two kids and the two kids have iPads and the parents are also looking at their phones and nobody's talking, you know? And so when you yeah. talk about, um, to, they may not matter right now, but there's a day when it comes, you know, that, that it will, you know what I mean? And, yeah. um, like you said, it's easy to put people off. And I remember a friend of mine, a close friend of mine told me um, that true friendship stands the test of time. And um, because you got to make the time to make a five minute phone call or to, you yeah. know, to send that text message. Because if you don't and you allow time to come in, like you said, um, you're just going to look back at all the time that you wasted. So that's, that's so Absolutely. good, man. Absolutely. So it seems to me that relational intelligence benefits our relationships, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Can you share a little more about that of, of the benefits of, of this? Because man, I'm telling you, if, if we could just not adopt what this, this fast paced culture is teaching us about relationships, it's mm -hmm. not about the like, it's not about the subscriptions. It's not about the newsletter. It's about face to face, you know? And so if you could just share just a few more benefits of this. Sure. Yeah. So I'll tell you, you know, uh, one of the things with us, uh, with our kiddos, um, because we are, we're very mobile and, and we're going in different directions. Many of the, many times, you know, my, my wife works from home and, uh, many times she's, uh, she's, she may have to travel for her job or, or I may be traveling to do an event and, but we try to do as many of those together as we can, but we know that there's times when we're not. And, and because my wife and I have such a long-term view of relationships, um, we try to utilize technology for, uh, for the good. 
so we have a family text group and uh it's so funny to to watch the communication uh, my oldest son is 20 and then maddie's 14 and charlie's 12 um ethan my oldest when he responds to you know something in the family message group it's usually just a very simple short to the point you know one or two word answer um maddie is the middle child my wife says that she is the female version of me uh, she and i <laughs> social butterflies so <laughs> she responds with a lot of emotion a lot of uh you know hearts and emojis all over the place and charlie our little stand-up comedian he is uh, he is quick on the trigger with some some uh depending on you know how you folks like to say it a gif or a gif mm-hmm. and uh that that just kind of sets the tone for the conversation so we have we have chosen to view um technology as something that we can use to bring our family together mm. um, and instead of viewing it as the enemy uh, which it i mean there are times james as you and i have talked about before you know we just had to put it down and and mm-hmm. whatnot but um there are times we use it you know to to benefit our relationship so you can use technology you know we love to stay connected to our work using all of our devices well what if we use that same what if we took that same approach and use technology to connect with our family and connect to the friends that mattered most wow uh, because with one rare exception as we said with one rare exception the earth is made up of, of other people and it's just impossible to do anything in life without involving other people mm. i mean you you can't unless you're going to go live you know in the woods by yourself um or live under a rock you're going to interact with other people and um so you know you can use technology to benefit uh your connections and i always love to tell you know tell families you know work is hard especially parents you know work is hard on building a relationship with your kids as you build on building a, as you do building a relationship with your coworkers, hmm. you know, a lot of times we'll work super hard on connecting with that new coworker or, you know, or somebody at our job that's where a relationship may be strained. And yet when we get home, you know, we don't want to connect with our, our, um, with our kiddo that's right down the hall. But, um, I want to really make, the best of the relationships that I can and um, family relationships for us are so important that uh, we will, we put our own self and our own time and our own energies uh, into um, making sure that we keep that relationship with our kids open for a lifetime. Mm. I mean, I love, uh, I can just hear the intentional, um, things that you've put aside and it's it's so sad what a funny thought of let's use technology to bring our family together <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean oh my gosh it's so yeah man it's so good so so one of the things james you know when we talk uh i mean i have a very deep thick southern accent well when i speak outside of the south people always notice that so rather than trying to hide it i always just highlight it from the stage and it gets people to laugh and then we just kind of move on. Well, in the South, we say all kinds of little quirky Southern sayings. And, uh, and as you know, I'm, 
putting those together in a book at some point. But uh-huh. um, so here's something. Here's a way that I use technology to connect, to relationally connect with my daughter. Um, she's 14, and dude, she is the app queen. She can tell you the latest app that'll do every little thing. So one of the things that she and I will do is uh, any little post that I need to put on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, any other social platforms, any of that kind of stuff. Um, I can send her the quote and say, "Hey, uh, put this in some type of uh, with a cute little background, you know, do do this up nice for me, and um, and send me like three examples of it." She will. Uh, she's done that for just still pictures take some quotes. She's the one that photographs me on the stage a lot of times and will take pictures from the stage. Um, and that's a point to what, rather than viewing technology as the enemy, um, we use it as a way of connecting. And uh, you will take those Southern sayings sometimes and even put them in the GIFs. So, uh, you know, with little animated backgrounds and stuff like that to uh, just to make them come to life. So we connect over, over technology and social media as well yeah oh that's so good so i want everybody to hear hear that out is you can use technology to bring your family together but you yeah. have to do it <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? yeah oh, that's so good yeah and so with that with um you know showing some relational intelligence with with your kids um could you just share a couple practical ways to where we can show relational intelligence in our marriages with our spouse or in our relationships sure and and i would say it doesn't always it doesn't have to cost anything i mean Mm -hmm. too often we undervalue just an intentional conversation you know just not saying hey how was your day good okay good okay good let's go on where are we going next you know, having a real intentional conversation and really, you know, wanting to hear how our spouse's day was, wanting to hear how our kid's day was. A, a conversation really does go a long way. And and having a smile on your face, you know, most people, uh, it's hard to be angry at somebody when they're smiling, you know, a genuine smile and mm-hmm. uh, not smirk or a snarl but someone who's genuinely smiling and and interested in you people tend not to get angry with all the time so here's a here's a quick story of something i do with my wife um that i i I did when we were dating in high school um her birthday is christmas day Hmm. so yeah as you can imagine james you know that she probably didn't get a whole lot of birthday presents (laughs) uh on christmas day yeah and every birthday cake she had was whatever pecan pie, sweet potato pie, you know, whatever Christmas dessert was there. Yeah, just threw a candle in it. And, and I can tell you, you don't make her a birthday cake with one of the long stem Christmas candles that you see brought out. You know, you don't do that. That's a no-no. Yeah. So one of the things I started doing for her long ago, I mean, when I when we were dating and we were broke high school kids, is I started doing for her what I called the 12 days of Christmas birthdays. So leading up to her birthday, I would buy her some little gift for each of those days. Um, And the the first gift I used to buy all the time was um, we, when we were in our senior year of high school, we both got out at lunch and we would stop by the little convenience store by the high school 
and she always got a Diet Coke and a Zero candy bar. So that used to be one, and I mean, she hadn't eaten one of those things in years, but she, uh, but she loved those things. And so every time when I would buy her that, it just, it was a meaningful gift because it brought her back to the relationship at, at the beginning of our relationship. It was something that she knew I had thought about. It wasn't just some, you know, off the wall gift. So I love to ask, you know, what's a, is there a void that you could feel in your spouse's relationship? You know, not like a, a spiritual void, but is there something that, you know, they're missing? Maybe, maybe it's that light bulb they won't change, or maybe, you know, you can buy them flowers or maybe you could just clean the dishes or wash the, uh, the line, do the laundry or fold the clothes, you know, um, you know, whatever you could do for your spouse that was, that would speak their love language really, uh, goes a long way in that relationship. Yeah, man, that's so good. And like you said, it's, it's, it sounds so silly and so simple, but when you talk about healthy conversations, I mean, yeah. come on, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but my so, goodness. Here's a perfect conversation I had with my oldest son. He's a deep thinker. You know, he, he is a, he's way more intelligent than I am. I, I, I laughingly say that, but he really is a super sharp kid. Yeah. But, um, and remember that you, you were an engineer, by the way. Yes, I am an engineer by degree. But, yeah, that's right. That's uh, Ethan, right. Ethan, so very, yeah. Ethan's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. He's very intelligent. So um, he approached me. Uh, he's re- he and I read a lot. We read usually at least one book a week, and um, uh, and so he was reading a book, and and the author of this book, um, who was not a Christian, but he was speaking about things within the Bible, and this particular author viewed um uh, some of the stories within the bible as not as more metaphorical stories and so ethan came to him and he said hey dad do you think this particular story do you think it when when jesus was telling this story was he telling it not in parable form but was he just telling it as uh to give us a moral behind it do you think this particular teaching right here was it referencing actual people or was he just telling a parable here and uh, and it was talking about Adam and Eve. So he said, you know, do you think when Jesus references Adam and Eve, do you think Adam and Eve were two real people or were they, uh, you know, was Jesus just saying, you know, here's the story of creation and it's it's um, here's why God used them as to tell you the story. Now, I know a lot of parents, James, would blow up. What? Why are you reading that? Oh, my goodness. And just blow up at their kid. And if if you do that. And you don't have a conversation with them. Um, if you don't say, well, let's talk about that. You know, if, if you view it as, you know, every hill has to be a fault, a fault and died on hill. Then what happens is one of two extremes, usually with kids, either they're going to blow up and realize who this, this was a hot button for mom and dad. I'm fixing to start pushing it way more often. Hmm. Or they're going to take the other extreme and go, that's a hot button for mom and dad they just blew up i'm done there's no more talking about this now i'm never having another conversation and neither one of those extremes are good so and and we have had many 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 conversations about any number of things i mean when you're in a vehicle for sixty thousand miles in every year you're going to talk absolutely uh, yeah. yeah 
so we've talked about all kinds of things with our kids, uh, you know, and because we view uh, and have a view that we want that relationship with our children to last for an entire lifetime and not just until they're 18, we, we tend to, to, uh, to make sure we answer in such a way, answer their questions in such a way that it doesn't break their spirit and doesn't always beat them down. Now, that's not to say that if they're wrong and they're, you know, just, you know, headed off a cliff that we don't say, uh, you need to check yourself because, you know, we're not a, we're, we're, what I'm really talking about is balance. You know, you don't want to be either of the extremes. And, um, you know, my daughter, she is, uh, she is my mini me. So I noticed that whenever she has, when I see something in her that, that uh that reminds me of myself you know i lean into that i encourage her in that i you know she is with me probably more consistent than any of the other kids on any event she will be the first one in the vehicle ready to go uh and she's 14 james she still holds my hand in public she's not embarrassed of her dad uh she will hug me on stage in front of other people and not just because we're on stage in front of people, but she genuinely, we genuinely love one another. Yeah. And that's because I've, you know, I've, I, I work very intentionally at building our relationship. And Charlie is, he, he laughs at the cartoons, James, that our parents grew up on. So the, the old school Tom and Jerry's Popeye's, you know, those old Bugs Bunny type cartoons, he will just laugh hysterically. Now I could, if I, if I didn't want to use relational intelligence, you know, relational intelligence, I could just look and say, you know, that's, that's a stupid, silly cartoon. And I, and I don't want to watch that anymore. Yeah. Turn that down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Turn it down. Or I could tend, I could, I could pour into that time with my kid when he's little and wants to enjoy that stuff so that when he gets older and he's now not watching Bugs Bunny cartoons, but he's watching something else that he and I can, can have a connection there. So we really view our relationships with our kids, with our friends, with our spouse, with everybody. We want to keep them open for long, for the long term. We're not perfect at it by any means. We've certainly messed up, um, but we do everything we can within our power to to keep those relationships open for the long term. Yeah, and that's one of the things, you know, I wanted to skip ahead a little bit because when you were talking about that, um, not long ago I heard you bring up family values, and that kind of threw me off because, one, I haven't, I haven't heard of that before. I've heard of, you know, my own values, you know, my own mission or whatever the case is, you know, and things that are important for my family. Um, but I heard you talk about that. And so um, if you could just, you know, share and unpack that a little more of family values, because I believe the Poland family does have some a specific number of values that they hold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... Ours are, are kind of unique to us. And I will say, you know, we didn't go off praying in the desert uh, and God gets us these. They, they have evolved over time into what we have now. Um, and they really boil down to the fruits of the spirit. And, um, you know, it's how we live out the fruit of the spirit in our own lives and as a family unit. And just some of the things that we as a family say that we're going to stand for. And. 
and uh, and it's not what most people would think. So the, our first family value is we embrace the everyday. We embrace the simple things in life that um, such as putting a smile on a stranger's face, getting to know the lady uh, who runs our local donut shop where we stop at, every, you know, anytime we want donuts. Uh, we, we frequent a lot of the same restaurants. So, you know, we like to have the same waiter or waitress and just get to know them and build a relationship with them. We just embrace the everyday, the simple day-to-day things in life that most people overlook. We actually look for those kind of things. So that's family value. Number one is embrace the everyday. All right, so our second value is fun, and what what I mean by that is we want our house to be the fun house, and I don't mean like a clown house or anything like that, but we uh, we really try to make our house uh, the house that our kids want to hang out in and that the friends of our kids want to hang out in, because uh, I learned long ago, you know, if our kids are hanging out here with their friends, um, they're not going to be getting in trouble somewhere else. So we really uh, worked hard to make our house the fun house. Uh, we have an open door policy on uh, on our fridge and on our pantry. And, um, you know, a lot of parents would love to be able to solve their kids' problems uh, with a, you know, a 20-inch pizza and a box of Little Debbie's. And we just took that as an intentional value that we wanted in our home that, Hey, if you're if you want to invite your friends over, y'all welcome to come hang out. We'll have some food. Y'all can hang out. You can, uh, you know, have fun, do whatever you want to do uh, in the house that are within the rules and boundaries. Uh, You know, we don't let them come over and do whatever they want as our you know, we have rules and boundaries in our house, just like everyone else. And but our and our kids respect that and they come over, they can have fun, interact together, hang out together. And uh, we wanted our house to be a fun house. And, and we worked really hard and, and very intentional at making that uh, a reality for our kids. Um, another, another family value, the third value for us is uh, we want to be wisdom seekers. And um, one of the ways we do that is uh, we read a lot. We read and study. Um, if there's something we don't know that we want to know about, we will uh, we will work really hard to learn everything we can about it. Um, and also as parents, I will say that uh, my wife and I are very intentional about um, learning about the things that our kids are interested in. Now, that's not to say, you know, that I spend countless hours, you know, chasing every little hobby or interest that they have. But uh, when I see that they're genuinely interested in something, um, you know, we seek to learn about that so that we can, we can, you know, have a conversation and talk with our kids about it. Um, and social media is a perfect example. You know, I, you know, I could give her, you know, take it or leave it type thing on a lot of social media, especially with all the negativity that's on there. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Some of the, the hate that's on there. And, um, and just as a little side note, we've turned since one of our values is fun. Here's a game you guys can play as a family uh, to to kind of escape. I call it comparanoia, being uh, paranoid by all the uh, comparisons and traps that social media has us on. The next time you're looking at a video that uh, on social media or a post or you know anything that's going to get people stirred up, 
you know, something really offensive, like a baby playing with a kitten, you know, that you know somebody's going to, somebody's just going to go all off on. We love to look at the comments and we play a, a comment game to see how many comments it's going to take before you get to that one that is just absolutely insane. Well, you shouldn't be letting the baby play with a cat. A cat mm-hmm. the pieces. Oh my goodness. This is a- yeah. I'm reporting and- this. Yeah, yeah. So whoever gets to whoever gets closest to the guess of how many comments, they get to choose what we're going to have for dinner that night. So, you know, we we turn little things like that into a game. But uh, we want to be wisdom seekers. We want to learn and we want to grow and and we don't want to ever be content and happy with with where we're at. We want to always be growing and and being the best that we can be as individuals, the best family that we can be. Uh, be the best tools and instruments uh, in the hands of Christ that we can be. So, uh, you know, we, wisdom is is one of those that we have, is one of our values. Relationships, as you might guess, is another. And uh, when, I, when we say relationships, it's the relational intelligence. And part of that is having a long-term view of relationships. Um, you know, I grew up in an age where parents would, you know, the phrase was, as long as you live in my house, you're going to do what I say. And, you know, I just never wanted that to be the the model for parenting. Um, I, I wanted my kids to realize that our relationship lasted a whole lot longer than just the 18 to 20 years they lived in our house. Wow. So, you know, we relationships are big for us. We want to have relationships with our kids. We want to have relationships with with their friends um, you know, with, we work really hard on relationships as, as we've been talking about, uh, another thing that we, that we are, um, and this is one that we kind of had given to us and told to us really wasn't one that we wrote down or even thought about, but, um, and it's said a couple different ways, but we want to be a breath of fresh air or that we are transparent and we're just real with people. Um, you know, we're, we're very open and honest with, with people. We, you know, share all of our, uh, you know, our life and, and we just want to be a breath of fresh air. There's, there's enough fake and phony out there. And when you're just real and transparent with people and just, you know, love them where they're, uh, where they are and, and share the love of Christ with them, it, uh, it, it catches them off guard, especially in a, in a day and age where, you know, it's, it's easy uh, to just jump to a conclusion and say, wow, that baby shouldn't be playing with that kitten type thing. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you just love them and you're real with them and transparent with them, it really does catch them off guard and they, it will force them and cause them to ask you, what is the reason for the joy that you have? And it really does provide an open door to share Christ and uh, with others. It, it really does. And our our last uh, value, our sixth value, really ties in with that last one a little bit. It kind of is uh, blends with that one, and it's we are very diva free. Uh, I like that one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like all of them, but yeah, that ooh, yeah, we are diva free. There, it is a drama free house. Now. <laughs> I feel like, you know, in the 21st century, you always have to qualify every statement that you say. (laughs) But when I say that we're diva free, that does not mean that we don't have bad days. That does not mean that we're not, you know, mad or upset or 
that we don't hurt one another's feelings. But if you were to look at us over, you know, uh, the whole day or the a week or a month or a year, you're going to find that we are very uh, diva free. There's not a whole lot of drama. We don't have emotion. We don't ride an emotional roller coaster all the time. There's not super highs. There's not super lows. Um, even though we have, you know, really high moments where we're just, you know, all over the place, we're kind of an even kill and we don't just do a lot of drama. And uh, so if our kids want to try to have a, a bad mood or, or, you know, roll their eyes or, you know, like, like kids do, um, you know, we'll, we will say uh, somebody's being a diva. Oh. And uh, and my kids will say that to me as well. And as, yeah, and James, <laughs> as the adult, as uncomfortable as it may be, oh. you have to you have to put your big boy pants on and go. You know, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, you have to you have to learn to apologize, and and uh, which is hard. Nobody likes to say they're wrong, but. You know, uh, we just learned that those six values, embracing the everyday, fun, uh, seeking wisdom, uh, relationships, uh, fresh air, and being diva-free, those really define who we are and how we operate and how we live out the fruits of the Spirit uh, each and every day of our life. Man, that's so important, and like I said, I, I appreciate you just sharing that, because when I heard you talk about family values, um, like I said, it's one of those things where you're not just talking about this relational intelligence, um, you're living it out, and not just that, but with your spouse and with your kids, um, and in your relationships, and you've seen the benefits from that, and, and I've learned a ton um, from that, and so it's just so helpful to, to hear you share that, man, thank you. Um, yeah. So I wanted to transition now to our signature question. You know, I have this book, Pain Formation, coming out in November. And um, it's basically the whole thing is to form your pain into purpose. And in the book, I share about, you know, that rare eye disease that I have and um, just ra- living with my mom and sister, um, just and several things just in my life and um, just the, the anger, <laughs> you know, that I had, the frustration, sure. the anxiety, being worried. You know, all these things, but also how God has used those hurts. Um, so with that being said, um, Clayton, I'd love for you, you know, if, if, if you um, wouldn't mind, just to share, you know, a painful moment in your life, you know, and maybe how you've been able to form it into purpose. Sure. Yeah. Um, this is probably the, you know, anytime we share such as, as, as we've done in, you know, over this, over this podcast episode, you know, people will say, well, Clayton, your, your life is perfect. Your kids love you. You and your wife love each other. So, I mean, you've never really had any storms in life. So, you know, until you have a storm in life, don't try to tell me how to live my life type things. I've, I've had people say things in various degrees of that. And anytime they say that, I, I always tell the story of Elizabeth. Um, so I've shared with you about my three kids, Ethan, Maddie, and Charlie. But my wife and I have also had a fourth uh, daughter, and her name is Elizabeth. So my wife and I, uh, we got saved on the same night. We came to Christ on the same night and really just started living, uh, you know, beginning to live out this Christian faith uh, a number of years ago. And and um, 
uh, and we, one of the things that God really convicted us of is that we were very selfish and, uh, and we were, we had, we had a kid, we had a son and we said, you know, we've, we've done the parenting thing. We're very selfish. So we've got a kid we're not going to have anymore. And, and God just convicted my wife and I both that we were selfish and we should, and that's not to say, you know, one kid's not right for some parents, but for us, we just felt convicted that, that we should have, uh, another child. So, um, we, uh, we got pregnant, uh, my wife, everything was going well. One Sunday night, b- before church, she, uh, she just said, you know, I'm not, not feeling real well. And I'm on a, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go lay down. I don't think I'm going to go to church tonight. And, um, when I came in from church, uh, she was kind of laying in the bed and just not feeling real well. And she's about five months pregnant. And, um, and uh, by the next morning, I, she was in a lot of pain. And so we called the doctor and they, they had no reason to, for alarm and just thought it was, you know, normal pregnancy pains and issues. And so uh, we didn't get to see our doctor until Tuesday. And when our doctor um, examined my wife, I mean, I remember the look on his face. His his eyes were big as hubcaps. I mean, just huge. His, he was He was startled. He rushed us to the hospital and and um, and put us on medicines and on round the clock watch and um, told my wife she was not to get out of the bed. She couldn't move out of the bed. She was going to stay there and um, just pains continue to to, you know, to occur. And by Wednesday morning, uh, around nine or ten o'clock, my wife delivered uh, our daughter, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth lived about three hours. And um, I remember so much about that day. I mean, there are bits and pieces. I mean, I remember uh, the nurses tending to Elizabeth and and she was, uh, you know, a perfect baby, you know, uh, had hair, had black hair on her head, 10 fingers, 10 toes, you know, the perfectly formed, as God said, you know, I formed you in your mother's womb perfectly formed in every way and um and as the as the doctors you know uh, tended to my wife and i'm talking with the nurses with elizabeth and and everything and then uh, they just kind of all leave at one moment and it's lee and i in the room together and um they had given lee some some uh some pain medicines um because we knew that elizabeth was not going to to make it and I am six months into salvation, James. Oh. Didn't grow didn't grow up in a church home, didn't know much about Jesus. I mean, had only been reading the Bible for a few months, you know. And uh we left in such a hurry to get to the, the hospital that Tuesday that I didn't have my Bible with me. And this is you know, this seems so long ago, but this was before smartphones, so I couldn't read the Bible on my phone. But the only book I had with me at the time was a book that I was reading on. Um, it was an apologetics book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Faith. And it was on how we can, you know, um, how we how we can know that God is real and we can trust him. And so I just sit down in the chair, you know, kind of trying to find my bearings and, and just figure out what's going on. And I opened that book up and I began to read and and the place where my bookmark was, 
where I had stopped reading the night before, when I picked up the reading, it was the story of the man who came to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, my daughter is sick and she's dying. And I need you to help. Would you just come touch her? If you will just touch her, my daughter will be fine. And Jesus said, well, anything is possible if you believe. And the dad said, oh, I believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. And James, I'm going to tell you, I folded the book up. Uh, I put it down. I remember praying right there in that room. And I said, God, I've given my life to you. I I don't know what fully that means yet. I don't, I really don't know what plans you have for me, but this much I, I will promise that I will not allow this pain in my life. I will not allow this tragedy to destroy my family. I will use this story to bring my family closer together. I will use this family to this story to inspire other families. And, um, I will use this to talk of your goodness and uh, had no idea what that meant. Didn't at the time I was on staff at a church, so I wasn't, um, or no, I'm, I take that back. I was still an engineer. And uh, so I wasn't even on staff at a church. I didn't know what that meant. You know, I wasn't speaking full time. I wasn't traveling with my family. And the times now, fast forward, you know, 15 years, the times that I have shared that story in some capacity from a stage it is amazing james the number of parents even the number of kids who will come up to me and go uh, you know my my mom and dad were pregnant with my with my brother or my sister and and they uh the baby they lost the baby or my baby brother died when they were one or my baby brother died when you know when she was two or three when he was two or three it is amazing how much that story resonates with people. And we often think that everybody's, you know, life is hunky dory and everything is fine and everything is perfect. Nobody ever puts the rejected selfie on Facebook or on Instagram or on social media. They don't put the bad photos on there, but every family has had pain. Every family has struggled. And, I, I speak about it more than my wife does, but I will not allow that story to destroy my family. And we've had pain, but we use that story of our daughter, Elizabeth. Uh, We use that pain, that hurt uh, to really bind our hearts together. And, uh, and now we use it to inspire others, to let them know that uh, in Christ, even though we may suffer, even though we may have heartache, there is hope in Christ. And I have no doubt at some point uh, I'm going to see my daughter again. And um, and I'm, I look forward to that day. That's right. Man, I can't thank you enough for sharing that, Clayton. It's, um, yes, sir. I mean, and you can you can hear it through, like I said, through the, from the family values to, you know, the things that you've done with your wife and with – uh, with Ethan, with Charlie, and with Maddie, and um, I mean, you. From what I'm hearing, is you are um, you're doing well on that promise, and um, and I can't imagine how many people that that's going to encourage and and inspire and you know what I mean? Because yeah. again, it's you know it's just the things that people don't want to talk about, but we mm-hmm. need to talk about it, you know. Sure. And, and God can Absolutely. use it, so 
I just thank you for sharing that, man. That that means a mm. lot. And um, and again, for you just to turn around and want to help other families um, just learn about relational intelligence. Um, I mean, it's so important. Like you said, fam- I mean, it's all about family. It's all about people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all we have is time. doesn't matter your yeah. bank account. You can't buy any more time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, and yeah. of all the people you're going to have in your life, I mean, your family – good, bad, or ugly, they're going to be with you uh, longer than any other relationship. So I really work hard to make the most of my family relationships. Mm. So I try not to be the uh, crazy cousin Eddie from the, you know, the Christmas movie, but, uh, you know, I know we all have family members that are not always the easiest to get along with, but uh, I do even work with those type of, you know, strain relationships, those that that would get on our nerves. I really do work hard to try to keep those relationships open uh, so that they can see, uh, you know, the love of Christ in us. Um, and, uh, and you know, it'll speak to them where they're at as well. That's right. Well, hey, Clayton, before we finish up, any final comments? Yeah, I would love to, James. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, um, I wrote a couple books. Uh, people always love to know, uh, you know, about our stories that we share. So I wrote a couple books, and I'd love to give your listeners a free copy of the ebook version of that. Um, so you can, uh, if you, uh, listeners, you can, um, text this number four, four, two, two, two. So the number four, four, two, 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 and type in the word parables, um, not a pair of bulls, but like one of Jesus's parables. If you'll, uh, type that word parables to the number, uh, four, four, two, two, two. Uh, it'll ask you for your email and I'll send you a copy of my parenting book called ain't life fun when you focus on the good stuff um, and you can, uh, you can check out some of my other, uh, my other goodies that I have at my website, ClaytonPoland.com. And then uh, one thing I'm working on now, uh, James, that I know you and I have talked quite a bit uh, about offline is I'm giving a TED talk um, later this year, or early next year on the subject of family and how we operate as a family. And, uh, and I'm super excited about that. So um yeah, be, you can be looking for that in uh, in the coming months. Awesome. So, again, don't forget you can text parables to 44222. You get a free digital copy. Come on now. No Who shipping. Like- look at that. No shipping. Who doesn't like free? Yeah, look at that. Fast, <laughs> faster than Amazon yeah. Prime. Come on. <laughs> look, you, and that, that is saying something today. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> what, what they got on Clayton? And Clayton, can you spell out your um, website just real quick? Yeah, it's my, my name, Clayton Poland, C-L-A-Y-T-O-N, and then Poland, like the country, P-O-L-A-N-D, so ClaytonPoland.com. Boom. There it is. Well, everybody, I cannot imagine um, my life without Clayton, and I'm just so thankful for him. Oh. Clayton, thank you for just being honest and um, vulnerable, you know, uh, in helping all of us understand relational intelligence I mean, I, I look forward to putting these things down and get with my wife and just kind of reevaluating how am I using technology even in my marriage. You know what I mean? And um, so I'm Absolutely. really excited. Um, yeah. But with that being said, thanks again. And everybody, I will talk to you later. All right, James. Always good to talk to you, my friend. All right. Thanks, Clayton. Yes, sir.